When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast with me, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. It's been a few weeks since we've had the band together, but we are back. Looking forward to Newcastle United returning to Premier League action as well. But of course, before that, there was that League Cup game, which has been rearranged, Aaron, to the Tuesday, which threw our Christmas quiz plans into disarray. Um, but we managed to sort that out. So hoping for Newcastle United... Uh, cup win and your team to win the famous Station East quiz, which you finished finished runners up last week. Yeah, still having nightmares about that tiebreak question that lost it for but uh, yeah, at least we can get to see hopefully Newcastle winning a Christmas quiz win in the same week. So it's it's uh, good to be back. We've got new equipment as well. Um, we're deciding because we are live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So do hit that subscribe button. Not too uh, sure about the closeness of this webcam. I think it's teething problems is when they probably need to sort this for next week, I think. Mm. But we're here, we're back, that's all that matters. It's, it's our views, thoughts and analysis that matter the most to the listeners and viewers. That's what counts. So um, for one week only, um, we'll be sitting this close together. Um, plenty to talk about, Aaron. Uh, the World Cup for one, Newcastle away in Saudi Arabia and of course now returning and looking ahead to that Bournemouth game. Um we thought we'd start with the World Cup and, and what Newcastle United got out of it. Of course, several players were away with their respective international teams, but in reality, you know, not many got that many minutes. Kieran Trippier, uh, what well, he started two games, but the game against France, he didn't get on the pitch. He was replaced, wasn't he, in the starting lineup for Kyle Walker, just as he was for the previous game as well. Um, Looking at the World Cup as a whole and all the players involved, what do you think the most important thing Newcastle took away from it? I would say the most important thing is probably lack of injuries. Um, you know, Callum Wilson had a bit of a scare. Um, Fabian Cher was obviously going in with probably with a few minor problems that he picked up on Newcastle duty. And look, touch wood, they're all going to have you know came through it um, injury-free, coming back to, to club duty. But um, I think I would agree with you statement I feel like it was quite a disappointing World Cup for Newcastle I had dreams of you know Grand Koal lighting up the world I had dreams of Callum Wilson scoring against France on Saturday and and Bruno lifting the, tro- the trophy but it, ju- it just wasn't to be really it wasn't to be but to be in that position where we're slightly disappointed that the players who went away didn't get that many minutes is refreshing because for Newcastle fans watching the World Cup having um a player, let alone five or six players involved in World Cup squads, has been a rarity for for far too long. Yeah, one hundred percent. Look, you can't you can't take that away from them. Six Newcastle players, obviously five currently at the club, and Garan Kowal, who's going to come in January. Having six at one World Cup is fantastic, and you know you've probably got to go back to the likes of twenty fourteen when there was Sissoko and Krul and all those types of players in the squad before they've really had you know that much interest from a Newcastle United's perspective. So. Going into it, I had, as I said, high hopes, you know, three with England and a couple dotted around the world, but 
you know, look at it, unfortunately it wasn't a B, but from Newcastle's point of view, Eddie Howe will be happy enough, even though a few of his players will be disappointed not to have had minutes. They've all came back unscathed, no serious injuries. I mean, you've just got to look at Arsenal. Gabby Jesus out for three or four months. Um, you know, essentially you have to come off the bench for Brazil. It's a, it's a real, real blow. And I think Howe will be pleased that the players have just came through it without anything like that. Do you think someone like Bruno Gomes comes back and he's disappointed personally because he didn't get uh, a chance to really influence any of the games. Obviously, the manner they went out was well. Um, I'm sure he would have happily sat on the bench if his country had lifted the cup. But the fact that he didn't get involved um, and he watched you know, his best mate, Luka Paqueta, play, I think it was he started every game, didn't he, virtually? Do you think he comes back to Tyneside with a bit of a, uh, a point to prove? I think he'll come back disappointed. I think it's the type of person and, and player he is. He'll have wanted to be out there. I think... Yes, Brazil have got this amazing talent-laden squad, but I think you know you would a lot of people, Newcastle fans and otherwise, have argued that Bruno should have been given more game time, whether that's you know over Fred or you know over Paqueta and slightly changing the system. Um, will he come back with some to prove? I'm not sure. I think every time he puts on a Newcastle shirt, he knows what's required of him. He knows that he wants to be the main man, and I think um, I don't think him leaving you know the World Cup in the manner that he did will. Will essentially spur him on anymore, but I think he will, you know, be very, very disappointed. We we wrote about it on the Chronicle earlier this week, his sort of part and message after the World Cup, and it was very emotional. It was very, um, you know, in, in typical Bruno fashion, he's a very emotional character, isn't he? I remember, um, when he missed that penalty in the cup when earlier this season, and they went through, and his Facebook post after he would have thought they'd went out because he was very, very um upset at not scoring his penalty. So, um. I don't think he'll let it bother him too too off too for too long, and I think you know give it a couple of days and he'll be he'll be right as rain again. You see that though? I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree slightly just because on the point you've made about when he missed that penalty, he was absolutely devastated. I mean, you saw his face in the in the group photograph that has become um, you know a regular occurrence now in the, in the dressing room after the games. He looked so down. It was it was it was quite something to say, and I think actually he might come back and 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 feel. And I I, I think if he does come back and feel disappointed, it would be unjust because he's done superb to get there, just to be part of this squad of so many good players. And one thing it did prove is that you can see why Joe Linton maybe didn't get included because that mm-hmm. midfield is packed with talent. Mm-hmm. But based on that reaction to that Crystal Palace penalty miss, I think he will come back and he will really wants in his mind I think wants to kind of prove to the manager prove to himself that he is good enough and he should have uh, started more games and he should have been in, in involved in, in, in many more matches mm-hmm. well I mean if, if that is the case then then it's good for Newcastle it can only, you know, be, good it can only yeah. be good for Newcastle but I think you know from what we've seen of Bruno over the last 12 months he, you know he, he never has a day off anyway and that's when he's been flying um, you know and playing arguably the best football of his career so um Look, it, it's it's good for Newcastle if he comes back like that. And look, he's very young. Um, you know, there'll be more um, World Cups for him, I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, and you've just got to hope that the next appointment Brazil make to replace TA actually, you know, hopefully uses him a bit more. With England, probably going to be Kieran Trippier's last World Cup, you would think. And what we saw is something, uh, especially in that game against France, is, is something that we've seen pointless uh, pointless, countless times. Uh, sorry, under uh, Eddie Howe at Newcastle United from Eddie uh, from Kieran Trippier is that leadership off the pitch. And what I'm talking about here is Harry Kane, head in his hands, 
at the full-time whistle. Jordan Pickford and Kevin Trippier go over to Harry Kane and they, they look after him. They look after Harry Kane. They, they put an arm around the shoulder and tell him, you know, it's all right. You know, you know, we win together, we lose together. And it's just another element of Kevin Trippier's game and, and another element why I think Newcastle should really be pitching to Kevin Trippier about, do you want to become a coach? Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen it countless times for Newcastle United um, already this season and last season, and it's no different when he steps on the pitch with England. I mean, we were we were sat here in the office watching that first game of, um, with Iran, and we saw him shepherding the players up the pitch, and and it's something that we've mentioned on previous podcasts. This is the you know Harry Maguire, an eighty million pound fielder. This is John Stones, Premier League champion, and he's got no fear of of you know telling them exactly where they need to be. So. Disappointing for Trippier that he didn't get a bit more game time. Um, I, I would have liked to see him play more. I thought he did well enough in the first couple of games. Um, but again, look, it's a similar situation with Bruno Jolinton. You know, we know that right back is one of England's strong positions. Kyle Walker has a strength that maybe Trippier doesn't. Um, and look, he kept Trent Alexander out the the squad as well, which a lot of Liverpool fans would say um, maybe wasn't the right decision. So disappointed in that in that sense. Um, and I think he'll be, you know, disappointed with the manner of the um, exit, as will Pope, as will Wilson, um, along with all of us England fans. So another sort of one where I was hoping for a bit more, you know, from him and of him at the World Cup. Roger Cook says, could Trippier maybe get an England coach? Well, you never know. A lot of ex-players do follow that route. Um, but I would like to see him in some sort of coach role at Newcastle when he hangs up his boots. How does... Trippier bounced back from not only England's exit in the World Cup, but also the fact that he was replaced by Kyle Walker in that England fold. You know, we know Kyle Walker wasn't initially fully fit when he came to Qatar. He had picked up that injury man City. Some people question whether he should be on the plane at all. But it always seemed to be, you know, is it Kyle Walker? Is it Trent Alexander-Arnold? Mm-hmm. And the fact that Kieran Trippier had the head start in terms of starting those two games, he then gets replaced and doesn't get back in. Yes, he comes off the bench against Wales, um, but doesn't then feature. Is that is that something he has to pick himself up off the floor maybe? Or is that just, he's, he's clever enough, he's been around enough, he's experienced enough to know that's just football. And actually... Behind closed doors, you might go, yeah, maybe Cal Walker was a better match for, for Mbappe or whoever um, and he ended up facing. Yeah, you know what it is? It's funny. You think everything we've just said about Bruno and the emotional side and letting things get you about that, I don't actually think Trippier is anything like that. I think he's probably the opposite. I think he's got, you know, there's no shame in losing out to Kyle Walker, one of the best right-backs this country's produced. Um he did very, very well in the, in the first couple of games he played. I didn't think he did much wrong. Um and I don't think he's got anything to really be worrying about in that sense. He did fantastically well to get picked. We we said for months, you know, why is it this debate of Walker or Trent and why is it not, you know, who sort of dislodges Trippier? Um, but I don't think he's got anything to worry about. I think he'll come back. He'll be the exact same Kieran Trippier. I don't think it'll have dented his confidence at all. I don't think it'll have, um, you know, done anything to worry the form he's been in. I think, you know, he's the type of character the leader that will not let anything like that bother uh, bother him and and you've touched on it we saw it full time Harry Kane you know the ultimate professional having a moment of actually you know it was probably getting to a bit missing that penalty trip yeah the first one over along with Pickford um, to make sure you know there was none of that and no sort of 
um, being down in the dumps or you know reflecting on what could have been it'll just be right we're back to Newcastle we've got a job to do here and that is you know trying to qualify for Europe um, and I don't think he'll be concerned about how England have got on when they when they return later this month. And Nick Pope didn't get any minutes at all and I know Jordan Pickford split opinion the fact that he has you know those Sunderland allegiances he is a, a Sunderland born player probably doesn't help the debate from a Newcastle point of view but I think if you take off your, your black and white specs, Jordan Pickford is a, a good goalkeeper. I think for Everton, he has had some bizarre moments where he loses his head slightly. Um, but I don't think he, he, did a, he did anything wrong uh, during the World Cup. And I can see why potentially Gareth Southgate stuck with, with Pickford. Do you think, though, down the line, Nick Pope continues the form that he was in for Newcastle before the World Cup? that Pickford will have a serious battle on his hands or do does Nick Pope potentially have to wait for another manager to come in to get his England chance? I think I, th- I think that's exactly right. I think while Gareth Southgate is England manager, Jordan Pickford is number one. And I mean, there's just certain players in that squad, Pickford, Maguire, that pull on England shirt and it's like their form's completely different to their, um, to their club form. And if I'm honest, you know, I don't think Pickford has missed a tournament game since before 2018. Southgate knows what he's getting with him. Um, and I think, as you say, when we take that black and white shirt off, Pickford, you know, in an England shirt, he is very assured. I don't think he, he made any mistakes at the World Cup. You know, I've seen some people saying that he should have done better for France's first goal on Saturday, which I just don't agree with. I think it was just a fantastic strike from distance, um, which is a big shame because I think there's no arguing Pope was the better goalkeeper and form-wise going into that tournament. A lot of people probably expected him to get a few minutes, but I think it's just a nailed-on search, you know, that, that Pickford starts in the Southgate. If you were Nick Pope, do you think it would be difficult not to get frustrated at not being involved at all? Or do you just say you accept it and you go on part of a World Cup squad in Qatar and, and if I play zero minutes, you know, I'm here for the experience? Or do you think... There will be maybe again behind closed doors a little bit of frustration that he didn't get to put on the gloves. I think when you look at Nick Post's background, where he came from, being released as a teenager, having to, you know, work at Harrow and Borough and York and Aldershot and all these clubs before he got to Burnley and Newcastle, I don't think there'll be any sort of well, you know, I'm a bit I'm a bit gutted. Well he'll be gutted, but I don't think there'll be any sort of resentment at not getting look, he's he's travelled to a World Cup um for the second time from you know the coaches I've spoken to in England and Newcastle, he's very well liked within that group in the England setup. Whether he's playing or not, he's, he hasn't put a foot wrong apart from that sort of one mistake against Germany in the Nations League. So I don't think like like Trippy, I don't think there'll be any looking back and thinking, well, you know, what could have been. I think um, he's very down to earth. He's very calm. I think he'll just have been glad to have the experience and look. He's got time on his side. You know, we know goalkeepers can go a long longer. He, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the you know contention for the next World Cup, if he's still at Newcastle. Um, I think the only thing holding him back in an England shirt is Southgate and how much he rates and trusts John Pickford. And I don't think it's anything to do with Pope's character. It's purely just because of you know Pickford and, and what he's been like in these last three tournaments. Hmm. Um, I mean the other person uh, that we talk about, Callum Wilson, he got more minutes than maybe people expected. He got a fair bit of attention for passing the ball to Jack Grealish when you might have expected him to, to shoot and, and, and try and get a, a goal himself. I thought he 
he did excellent in, in, in every element that he was involved in. He talked about taking the opportunity when it was handed to him. Okay, didn't get a goal, but I thought um, you know he got. He, he, I think he painted himself in a really good light, and and what he did was probably only worry Premier League defenses that little bit more that he is a real talent, and I, I think just being there like a bit like Nick Pope it boosts his spirit. Come back to Newcastle on, on cloud nine. Fingers touched, uh, fingers crossed that this um, this injury scare isn't isn't anything to to worry about, and he'll just hit the ground running, or he'll he'll you know he'll keep going in the form that he was in that got him on the plane to Qatar in the first place. I think it'll have done his confidence the world of good. I mean, not that Callum Wilson's ever sort of lacked in confidence, especially in the Newcastle shirt, but I think in terms of how confident he'll feel coming back, he will probably have had more minutes than he expected. He, you know, many of us sort of thought it might be a James Madison case where. He goes, but he doesn't actually play. So I think, you know, even though he only sort of came on a, in, in two or three little patches, he grabbed himself an assist, painted himself in a very good light. He's had a good week with, sorry, he's had a good couple of weeks with Trips and Pope and, you know, Madison. And there's plenty of photos that may be whispering in his ear ahead of January. I know a lot of people in these comments here are asking about um, Madison in January, which I'm sure we'll get onto later. But yeah, again, another one. Um, didn't put a foot long. Uh, didn't put a fit wrong, sorry, and and I think um, he's got nothing to be you know sort of doubting or worried about when he's when he's coming back to Newcastle. Is there a concern that he comes back and he's not fully fit? This this little injury scare can potentially rock Newcastle's restart the season. Do you think? I mean, there's always a worry. I mean, you know, we were all delighted that Callum Wilson was on the plane. I think we would have been equally as delighted if he'd been sat on a beach for two weeks or or you know in Miami or wherever the other players jetted off to. Um, it's worrying, obviously, that he missed a couple of days of training before the France game. I know he's back in training on the Friday, um, which suggests that you know it was just a sort of precaution as it was coming out of the England camp. Anyhow, we'll know all this. They've been briefed by the England coaches as to you know what his fitness has been like. It'll be managed. Um, you've got the boost that you know Isaac is probably going to be nearly up to speed, hopefully in time for Bournemouth Saturdays, as you know we might potentially see him. Chris Wood, if that injury that he picked up against Al Halal isn't too concerning you know it might give Wilson just another week or two um to get back up to full speed but look Howe's already came out and said this week that he'll manage the players accordingly if they need an extra couple of days um because of their World Cup exploit he'll he'll be fine with that so we've just got to hope that he's came through it you know okay and and it's not going to have any lasting damage uh ahead of the second half of the season fingers crossed Darren Lee there asks uh will Pope Wilson Trippier and Bruno be straight back in the squad Pinpoints that Henderson returned um, at Liverpool to play a mid-season game today. Uh, you mentioned there what Eddie Howe said about managing the players, and I mean that's really key, isn't it? And I think what you can take away from that as well um, that even if some of them aren't quite right for Tuesday night against Bournemouth, Newcastle have other players in the squad who can step up. And I know that the friendly against uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, isn't really a benchmark, is it, because of the the opposition? No disrespect to them. I know they're a good side for where they play, but in terms of the Premier League and what Newcastle are trying to achieve, but Newcastle have players that can step up to replace, um, you know, Callum Wilson, Bruno, if it's for a short period of time, if it's for maybe one or two games. Long Longer term, no, they haven't, but short term, you know, there are players that can step in and, and, and cover um, the likes of Bruno 
in a, in a Calvert-Lewin if need be. Yeah, 100%. I think we saw that in Saudi Arabia in the friendly, as you say. There was a lot of changes made by Howe and uh, the players looked full of confidence. Even the likes of Murphy and Fraser you know, came on and, and did well. Howe was pleased with them. Um, and look, you've got to think, you know, Eddie Howe was treated like a pre-season. All those players that didn't go to the World Cup you know, had a lot of period of rest. They had the, those, you know, one or two weeks away from the training ground to just sort of switch off. Um, Wilson, Bruno, Trippier, Pope, even though they haven't played as much as we would have liked, you know, they've been training every day. They've been, you know, mentally having to worry about a World Cup and, you know, performing for their country. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if we didn't sort of see them t- more towards Leeds, more towards next month. Um and as you say, in the short term, there's cover there. You know, I thought the, the performance was very assured in, in Saudi Arabia. Players still looking full of confidence despite the break. Um, so I wouldn't be rushing them back. And, I, and I'm sure that how is it going to be doing that? A few more comments from our viewers watching live. We've got Mr. Stapleton um, watching on from Hong Kong. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we've got players asking, as you said, uh, viewers rather asking, Aaron, as you said, about... James Madison. So we'll we'll we were going to talk about transfers later in the show, but we'll we'll get on to these questions now about James Madison. You all kind of are looking for the same answer. Um, on your cast night, you're going to go in. Do you think for James Madison in January? There's been plenty of rumblings. There's been plenty of fans getting their hopes up about you know seeing Wilson and Trippier and uh, Pope. You know potentially not. Uh, you know, leaving his side while out in, in Qatar. And I think, you know, how, from what he was telling journalists in Saudi Arabia and what he said in the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure they're going to go, you know, probably as big as people think. I think it'll probably be a case of one in, one out, maybe one in, two out. Um, but look, Madison's certainly on their radar. He's done himself no harm um, the first half of the season, as we've touched on many times. He's, you know, he's sort of passed that character test, hasn't he, of... Um, you know, he didn't let that summer transfer uh, rumour affect him. And I think, look, he would he would fit this team perfectly. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went back in for him. Um, we know historically that the January window is much harder to navigate. Leicester, having picked up from that slow start, will want to uh, keep a hold of him. But if you're Madison and you're seeing a club that's sat third in the table, three or four players that you know very, very well, a manager that's you know already courted you before it might be difficult to turn it down. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did go back in for him, but I don't think we'll be seeing more than that. I think if Madison comes, I think that's it. I don't think we'll be seeing anything near what we saw last January with four or five outlets. Um, because I don't think Hal wants to disrupt You know what he's harnessed in that dressing room this season. It's going to be one big outlay, potentially, if the right person comes up and then the rest of it is, is if it needs to be done, maybe alone. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprised me. Look, it's such a cliche, but Isaac is like a new signing because he is a new signing. We haven't seen him play, which probably rules out the need to buy an attacker. Um, it's something that I've touched on before. I think they probably do need a backup right back with Kraft out and Trippier purely because of his age. Um, but then I think you're looking at you know a number ten as as they looked at in the summer, or maybe a wide, a wide man. Um, but I don't think it'll be anything like what we've seen in the last two windows. Let me just correct myself. So I said, Mr. Stapleton, I've been informed there in the comments that um, it is Miss or Mrs. Stapleton, so I do apologise. It was me trying not to guess what the L stood for <laughs> in her YouTube name. So um, I do apologise. Thank you for uh, tuning in from Hong Kong and thank you to Roger for uh, correcting me. Um, you mentioned there wide players. We have John here asking, 
uh, about Diaby, who we know Newcastle were very interested in, in in the summer. I guess one thing about the search for someone who plays on, on, on the wings is the fact that Miguel Almiron has not only found form, he's kept that form going. You have Alan Maxman who can't get in the side at the moment, but he's going to come back and hopefully uh, step up and, and try and win back his place. You have Ryan Fraser as well coming back in from from the, the physio room and his uh, re-emergence during the, the the days in Saudi Arabia. That's impressed Eddie Howe. You've got Jacob Murphy trying his best to, to secure a spot in this squad going forward over the next few years. You have options there on the wings and it's maybe not a case that you need it. You need a, a wide man, someone like Diaby who can come in. But then again, for where Newcastle are, for where Newcastle want to be, you know, if a player like his quality comes up and is available, who's to say they don't roll the dice and, and, and maybe jump forward a, a few months with their plans? I think the dilemma's changed from the summer. In the summer, it was right. We want to be a team chasing Europe. Who do we bring in to play right midfield? Because Miguel Almond clear isn't up to it. The start of the season, he's had the question is now who starts when they're all fit? Because we're still yet to see Wilson, Isaac, Almiron and Maxi all fit at the same time. So I don't think there'll be any hurry to get a right midfielder in, in Jan. Should they qualify for the top four come the end of the season? I think then is when you start to look at a Diaby or a, you know, a top-class right midfielder that is of top four quality. But look, the, the onus now is on Miggy to keep it going. You know, As John Gibson like to tell us, it's only been... A couple of months um, that he's been, you know, setting the Premier League alight. If he can keep this up, it reduces the need to get him in. If it is just a flash in the pan, then they probably revisit it in January. As for Musa Diaby, um, I think it was probably right player, wrong time in the summer. I think he was going to cost a lot of money off the back of a fantastic season with Leverkusen. They've started slowly this season in Germany. Xabi Alonso's coming and trying to um, steady the ship a bit, which he has to an extent. It probably depends where they finish this season and if they can qualify for Champions League again, it maybe makes it a bit more difficult. But look, this is a player who's going to be wanting to play top four football. So, you know, it, it probably does depend on what happens in the Bundesliga. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, we'll stick with transfers since we started talking about them. Um, in terms of players who Aaron played at the World Cup, did anyone stand out for you? We know... Uh, they like they liked Ramos in the summer, but uh, didn't end up going in for them. They were linked to Saar as well. Um, two players who I thought did, did quite well during the World Cup. Yeah, look, I'll be completely honest. I hadn't even realised that Gonzalo Ramos had, had gone to the World Cup until he was thrust into the starting lineup after Ronaldo's tantrum. And look, Cristiano Ronaldo has potentially made his career because obviously that hat-trick against Switzerland has put him back in the shot window. Um a player Newcastle really, really liked in the summer. They they tried hard to get a strike win before Isaac and he was very, very high on the list despite, you know, only having done it really for a season in Portugal um before the summer. Ruby Costa, the Benfica president, already came out this week and essentially said, Look, yes, we know he's had a fantastic World Cup, but we're not um we're not a financial project and we don't need to sell. So maybe a tricky deal to do in January, whether that's Newcastle trying to do it or any other Premier League club that's been linked, but he, he's certainly done himself no no harm with the World Cup. And I think it's clear to see why Newcastle were keen on him, um, if that's what he can do on the world stage at such a young age. I think what's refreshing is when we talk about players who have impressed, and of course it comes with a caveat that you can 
be a flash in the pan at a World Cup and, and get your big move and it doesn't quite work out. But um, let's say with these players like Ramos, um, like Gakpo for, for, for Holland, Newcastle, when, when, they're, when the selling clubs are talking about massive fees and they're saying, you know, there's only five or six clubs in the world who could afford these players... Newcastle United, if they wanted to be, could potentially be one of those teams, you know, because they have serious financial backing. They are seriously um, looking to disrupt the, the, the norm, not just in the Premier League, but in, in across Europe when it mm-hmm. comes to the Champions League. And they, they are ambitious. And I think every Newcastle United fan, if they haven't already, um, will take a moment and, and just take a step back and go, wow, you know, um, when... Newcastle are linked to these players. There is, you know, a small glimmer of hope that actually they could definitely be signing. And I'm not saying they're definitely going to be in for Ramos or um, you know, Gap. What I'm saying is they have they have more ambition and they have more financial muscle than than they did under Mike Ashley. And that can only be a good thing when it comes to improving this this side. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think, you know, as much as the last year has been fantastic, you do sort of need to take a step back sometimes and realise that how refreshing it is that Newcastle aren't going into January and needing five or six players because they're fighting the drop and I think sometimes that is forget forgotten when you know they're linked with every single player under the sun but certainly when these financial deals come in and the Saudi sponsorship deals come in as they've already started to it in little bits and pieces Newcastle will be a force and, and sort of money won't be an object to them anymore um, until then you probably need to um, rely on the likes of Ashworth and Eels to find you know bargain deals which they have so far um, you know the recruitment this year I know we go on about it a lot but it's been near perfect and Bruno and Botman for such good figures um, they know they also know uh, release clauses they've been yeah. very good with that haven't they yeah 100% and look they haven't been bounced into deals you know they could easily have paid for James Madison in the summer when Leicester were you know sort of rebuffing the second and third bid and wanting more money they could have probably went out and bought Ramos um, from Benfica before they got Isaac um, but I think yeah it is just refreshing to know that they're going into next month and they won't be panicked and do anything because they don't need it at the moment Um but yeah, in the next couple of years, you can see these big World Cup stars that have, you know, breakout tournaments. You know, a lot of them are going to be linked to Newcastle United. And it was it was funny because Alan Shearer, when he was talking about the uh, the Croatian defender Gardiol, pronounced that right? Gardiol, yeah, yeah. That's we'll go with that. Yeah. The the one with the mask. Um, you know, he said jokingly, he'd look good in it in a black and white shirt. And Gary Lineker said, every player that's played well at this World Cup. <laughs> You've linked to Newcastle, and Shearer's response was, "Well, it makes a, a change, doesn't it?" And I think for me, that's the line that stood out. You know, forget that Alan Shearer scored all those goals for Newcastle United. At heart, he's just a Newcastle United fan, and he's excited as everybody else when it comes to what Newcastle could potentially achieve, and these owners and and the plans they have, and the, knowing that they are really going to go out and look for quality. And I think that line for me stood out because Newcastle aren't here just to make up the numbers and yeah. it might take three or four years but you know if they see a player who could do a job they go out and scout him you know he comes back he ticks all the boxes on and off the pitch and he's the right fit for Newcastle United then they're more than likely going to try their hand and go out and get them and you know that if they fail as well if they fail to get their number one target it's not because they haven't tried mm-hmm. it's just because maybe they're just being a little bit sensible and saying well we're not going to pay that all that money you know, we're not going to be held to ransom, but you know that they've done everything they can do 
uh, willingly to, to, to get that player across the line. Yeah, look, Sven Botman is case in point. They wanted him in the Jan. Lille wouldn't sell and, and they waited and they bided their time. They didn't rush in to buy Diego Carlos, who went to Villa. They, they were sensible. And look, what a difference 80 months makes because we were sat here after... Well, I wasn't sat here because I didn't work for the Chronicle at the time, but you were probably sat here after the Euros in 2021 and all these players that had fantastic tournaments and they'd really shone. And who were Newcastle United linked with? Hamza Chowdhury. And they couldn't even get that deal done on loan. Now, we're sat here talking about Ramos and Gordviol and you know, countless other players who, look, a lot of them probably won't come to Newcastle United, but if Newcastle United wanted to, as you say, they could probably be in the picture for them. So I think we're all on the, you know, we're all agreeing with Shearer that he would probably look good in black and white. I think the other important thing to mention as well, that no matter how good of a tournament any one of these players you've mentioned has had, the talks are between Eddie Howe, Dan Ashworth, Daniels, and whoever else is involved at a level four transfers at Newcastle, you know, uh, Steve Nixon. There, there will, will have been a plan before the World Cup, many, many weeks before, um, and you know, the World Cup won't necessarily have, have um, impacted their plans. I guess the only way, in many ways, it may have done, if one of these players was on the list, the price tag has probably gone up. Mm-hmm. Other teams have probably been alerted to, um, to, to one of these players, if indeed they were on the list, and then Newcastle have maybe got more competition. Um, but whatever they do, they're going to be sensible and they're not going to just um, go out on a whim. Yeah, look, we know that Howe and, and Ashworth sat down last week when they were out in Saudi and had sort of their, their first transfer summit ahead of uh, January. But look, Ashworth and his team will have been doing their research long before the World Cup. Um, they'll have a list of players if they feel they need them uh, in January. And, and as I've mentioned, they won't be bounced should you know astronomical January premiums be put on those players so yeah very refreshing and and I I think you're right I think if any of those players that we've got written down I mean I know we've obviously talked about we haven't talked about Ishmael Asar who um, has been linked with Newcastle in the past very very good player had a very good um, tournament for the you know the time that he was over there in Qatar they'll know all about these players already you think or or a lot of them anyway so I don't think as you say a good World Cup or a bad World Cup will have impacted what they plan to do in January anyway. Mm. Christian Pulisic, another one who is yeah. seemingly consistently linked uh, with, a, with a move to Newcastle. Um, just going back to England briefly before we talk about potential exits for Newcastle because we are getting to that time of the year. Um, obviously, Eddie Howe strongly linked with, with the job, mm. uh, the England job. Um, he's seen as one of these 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 options, probably alongside Graham Potter. I suppose the best way to to kill um, that speculation is the fact that he always come out. What was it a few weeks ago uh, last September, month? Yeah, yeah, and said he you know he wasn't interested in, in the England job. Also, the fact that Gareth Southgate, I think, will probably stay. Yeah, I know I've said on record that I didn't think he would, but I. I, th- I think he, uh, yeah, I think, I look, the FA like him, he's got that long I contract. Don't, I, I, if I'm completely honest, on Saturday night when England got beat, I thought there would be a big clamour of fans, you know, clamour mm. among fans to say, right, that's his time to go. And there hasn't really, there's been the odd few fans here and there saying, right, it's, it's probably time to go. But I think the vast majority still back him. Um, and the fact that, you know... It's Joey all, Barton does not. Joey, I did see that Joey Barton tweet, um, which I thought was typical Joey Barton, very brutal and blunt. Um but I think he will probably get the Euros. Look, you know, and he'll get another two years. Um, and yes, Eddie Howes came out and, and personally denied it. If personally looking from the outside, 
I don't think Eddie Howe could think of anything worse at the age of 45, which he is right now, than managing four games a year. This is a man who gets to the training ground before the sun has risen and he leaves after the sun has set. He's always working and I just think at this stage in his career, I've got no doubt the call will come one day and the FA will, if he continues on this trajectory with or without Newcastle, the call will come in. But I just think it's a job that is perfectly suited for him in 10 or 15 years time mm. because I think at the minute he's enjoying you know his work at Newcastle so much he's enjoying being out on the training pitch and being in there every day um, I'm sure his family would love to take the England job um, so that he, they, they could probably see him a bit more but I think it, there's nothing to suggest at all from what he's been saying or from how well Newcastle are doing that he would jump ship at this point It's funny isn't it because Newcastle are doing so well and that's propelled Eddie Howe into the national limelight as someone who could potentially replace Gar Southgate. But in Newcastle's favour, they're doing so well that there's not a chance Eddie Howe is going to want to leave this journey at this point. There's not a chance that the owners are going to want to let him leave because everything is going so well. Yeah, 100%. I think they're working perfectly in tandem at the minute. Newcastle are flying. Eddie Howe wants to make history with the club. He wants to you know, break that cup do and I think um, I've got no doubt that job will appeal to him but as I say I think just not at the moment with how well things are going and I think should Southgate go in the next couple of weeks um, I think I don't think he would I don't think he would go at all I don't even think they would they would go to him and say do you want it mm. I think they would probably look elsewhere given how you know how he's already came out and said it it doesn't appeal to him I think as well there doesn't appear to be any jobs waiting for Gareth Southgate, do there? Does it? No, well, you know, I saw I saw a, a certain YouTube uh, football YouTuber the other day saying that Southgate wouldn't get a job in the Premier League, which I thought was a bit unfair. But when you sort of take a look back and think, well, would he get a big six side? Probably not. Mm. Would Newcastle take him? Probably not. You're probably looking at a Southampton or a team. He like goes that, abroad to yeah, Holland or goes, Germany. Yeah, exactly, and I think. Um, Look, Southgate, if he does leave, will probably want a break. I know, he, obviously, you're sort of a part-time manager when you manage England, but, you know, he's had three tournaments. So it'll have been a lot of pressure on him. Um, but I think, yeah, as I say, the last couple of days after that France defeat, I thought there would be more rumblings of him wanting to step down or more people calling for him to go. And I think, you know, the response has been that sort of timid. I think it is the case that he probably will be kept on another two years, which, you know, it is. I, I'm, not too, I'm not too fussed about Ian's. You know, he earns the respect of his players. They all have, you know, nothing but good things to say about him. He handles himself very, very well in the media. Uh, I think he's a good, you know, positive figure to have, you know, in that England position. So if he stays till 2024, you know, I won't be too disappointed. I was thinking about the links and after that game against France, Southgate said, you know, we've played we've played France and we couldn't have done any more. Now that might be me just misinterpreting what he said, but it didn't seem very confident. It sounded a bit defeatist, didn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. and whereas we look at Eddie Howe and Newcastle United <clears> and the way he approaches every single game, it doesn't matter whether you're playing Manchester City or uh, Bournemouth, you know, every game is about how good Newcastle United are and you are good enough to stop that player playing. You are good enough to win this game on your own merit. And I think just looking at that, you, doesn't have to, you don't have to follow Newcastle um, for very long to understand Eddie Howe's uh, approach, uh, you know, is all about confidence, all about boosting the spirit, all about telling the players they are that good. You just have to listen to the high performance podcast to really understand just 
how Eddie Howe manages a football team. Um, and that being said, it's quite easy to see why England fans may want him in charge because he just instills a confidence, which I think if you can do to the success Eddie Howe has done, he did it at Bournemouth. It, 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 you know, it's 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 something that you can't you can't buy. It's it's something that is. Um, it's priceless in many ways because confidence is half the battle in, in any way of life, but especially in football. Yeah, look, I've I've wrote about this the other day about uh, how and the England links, and I just and you know there's a line that I put in it, and it was that if he can get this Newcastle United team to believe they can beat anyone in the Premier League, and he can get them to believe that they can generally potentially go as far as the title this season, imagine what he could do with an England squad that is absolutely bursting with talent. He mm. would generally turn those into mentality like monsters you know because he would go in that dressing room and say I mean he would be walking out the likes of Foden and Belgium and you look at the work he's done with the young players at Newcastle what he could turn them into on an England stage I think would be phenomenal I just hope from Newcastle's point it's of view that, yeah, that it's when Foden and Belgium have, uh, have already hung up their boots it's in a decade after a Premier League win yeah, or a, a few Premier League wins a few Premier League wins Champions League adventures <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I can't see him leaving I don't think any Newcastle United fan would want him to leave mm. nor the owners nor Eddie Howe himself so that's that one ticked off quite nicely <laughs> uh, before we have a, a brief talk about exit just a, a reminder guys listening on the podcast channel to please like and follow the podcast totally free to do just means with every new episode we upload you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to and leave us a rating and review if you get the chance as well and if you are watching live on YouTube hit that subscribe button uh, that is much appreciated. If you've got any comments for myself or Aaron, do drop them into the comment box and we'll get through the best of them. Uh, Aaron, exits is another um, interesting one that people are, are starting to ask about. Um, could you see any Newcastle United players? Uh, I'm leaving in January. They do. They would need to free up some space in the squad. Um, has I know we, we, we kind of, talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Has your mind changed on, on that or do you, can you still see the likes of maybe Richie, uh, Paul Dummett even uh, leaving? I think I think there could potentially be one or two. I think Ryan Fraser, um, you know, I've heard rumblings that there's, you know, potentially the desire to go back down south. Um, you know, a lot of his family moved up when he came to Newcastle. A lot of them have stayed down there or moved back down there and I think that would probably be a move that appeals to him. Um, you know, there's probably a couple of Premier League clubs down there, the likes of Southampton and Brighton, that I would um, like to register their interest in January. So I think Fraser could be one to go. I think um, Matt Ritchie is another one. You know, he's currently doing his coaching badges alongside playing. Um, I know he's taken a, you know, a few academy coaching sessions um, as he tries to get a bit of experience. So I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see him go. Um, I know there's been talk of potentially going back to Portsmouth where... He obviously started his youth career. Um, so look, yeah, those are the two. I don't think we'll see any sort of high, um, you know, sort of big name exits. I don't think you know those maxi links will resurface. Um, I can't see anyone swooping in and taking Bruno off the hands. So I think it, it will be a case of maybe just trim that squad a little bit, maybe getting a couple of the fringe players in uh, out. Sorry, um, especially if they do go out and bring you know one or two big name starters in. I think you've then got to look further down the list at who drops out. Um, but yeah, I think those two are probably the most likely. Um, you know, we know Loris Carrius, he's only got a short-term deal, but it looks like they're, they're going to potentially try and extend that, which I think is positive, I thought. Um, 
you performed very well against Al-Halal. Uh, sort of, I was very, very pleased for Mark Gillespie to get on the pitch, but I was a bit gutter that I wasn't going to see a second half of Lawrence Carrius, and I never thought I would usher that sentence. But um, but yeah, I think I think we could see maybe one or two of the fringe ones moved out next month. Certainly going to be interesting. Ryan Fraser is an interesting one. Um, I can't see though. I mean, I think the exits that that would potentially would come, say, with Fraser. I think it would have to come from maybe Fraser's point of view. Oh yeah. Knocking on the door and saying, "Look, I want game time," and, and the manager going, "Well, you know, all I can say is you're going to have to work hard to get ahead of Almiron, to get ahead of Julian, who's been out on that that wide, because I, you know, it, where, for where Newcastle United are." Um, and what they're trying to achieve, they've got good squad elements, and I just think it's going to be so difficult. Say if Fraser was one to leave, for example, then how would you go out and replace him? Because you don't want to bring someone in who's just as good. Yeah. You want to bring in someone who is better, but that's a lot easier uh, said than it is done. It's a, look. It's a, it's about not disrupting that harmony that they've got in the dressing room as well. Ryan Fraser's in a lot of those circles. Um, you know, obviously knows a lot of the staff and the players from Bournemouth, um, and I think there would probably be a, you know, a, from Eddie House point of view, we'd probably say, well, look, can we, can we give it to the summer? Let's not disrupt what we've built on here. You will get minutes, um, you know, in fits and starts. As you said, it is probably going to take players like Richie and Fraser not going to address him and saying, look, I've loved it here, but, you know, I need to go elsewhere. I need to go home. I need to play more. Um, but look, it'll be interesting to see it. It's it's tricky because I always go back to this, you know, time when I spoke to Isaac Hayden and he sort of said that, you know, I, I knew I was it was my time and look, I had a fantastic six years there and we as players have spoke about it, how we sort of know our time will come to an end. And I think there is probably a realisation for a lot of these players that have been there a long time that as Newcastle start to disrupt the top four and the top six, their chances potentially come limited. Obviously you get the likes of Miggy and Longstaff, who was sort of, you know, really taking the bit between their teeth and uh, worked hard to keep their place. But I think a lot of them know that, you know, they've had a fantastic innings, but the club is going in a certain direction. So um, Eddie Howe alluded to it in the summer. There'll be a, some, you know, emotional farewells, I'm sure. But, you know, it's all about Newcastle kicking on and, and getting to the next level. It certainly is. Um, we've got the friendly on, on Saturday. Then we have that League Cup game against Bournemouth on Tuesday. Fans already buoyed uh, with, you know, the, the Saudi uh, trip, the, the, the friendly win there. The fact that Newcastle, the board, the manager, the players opened themselves up for, for some fan engagement, which was brilliant to see. Um, how excited are you for a return to St James's Park? It's going to be, I mean, the friendly alone is going to be bouncing. It's nearly sold out, I think, that the game against Bournemouth is sold out. I mean, it's just tremendous. It just, it. I mean, it was. It's never been in doubt over the last year or so. But um, if anyone was ever in doubt about the the the, the supporting cast that they've got, then you just show them the next two games on the calendar. Yeah, look, don't get us wrong. I love the ten a.m. kickoffs. I love watching four World Cup games a day. Um, you know, much of my girlfriend's annoyance, but there's just nothing else like being back at St James's Park. So I'm really looking forward to both games. I think it'll be a cracking atmosphere. Both that cup game should be. You know, really, really good. And uh, Eddie Howe's already sort of came out this week and, and set a bit of a rallying cry at the fans that he needs it to be, um, you know, a tip-top atmosphere, which I'm sure it will be. So, yeah, really, really pleased to see them back. Hopefully get two wins, a bit of rotation, and then, you know, all set up for Boxing Day at Leicester. 
Yeah, it's going to be a busy uh, period to come. Some really, well, I suppose every game is important given where Newcastle are and the potential to go uh, one step further in the Lee Club Cup. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. I've been Adam Musgrove with Annie Castle, United editor Aaron Stokes. Thank you very much, guys, for watching live and for you guys listening on the podcast later. Do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we will keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including our dedicated live transfer blog. Uh, there's also an interview up there with uh, Luis Carris, which will be up from 5pm this evening, I believe. <laughs> yeah, and plenty other stuff as well. Do remember to hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you join us on and we'll be back later in the week. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.